Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. unusual efforts f pod if you don't recognize this voice it's because i've been kind of mia for a while but i really wanted to jump back on this issue this episode episode makes more sense this episode of the pod i'm sonia missio and with me is oh we didn't decide who goes first oh Oh, no both of us alphabetical Um, order by first name or last this is so stressful uh, both I've, ways, it's you. This is why both I haven't been on the pod. It's me. It's me. You're right. It's me, Jesse. I'm so glad you're. Maybe can I just blame my ridiculousness for the fact that I'm so excited that Sonia is here? Let's go that way. Yeah, we'll go okay, with good. that. Okay. And uh, now it's Kirsten talking. So, Kirsten, who alphabetically comes after me all the time. Yes, and I know that in every way. I mean, we could have gone reverse alphabetically. Do you, do you want to reintroduce oh. yourselves with Kirsten going no, first? No, don't break our brains there. like this. <laughs> um, oh, and I think my brain is going to explode already and we're like two minutes in. Um, oh, I forgot to start the timer after all of my talking. Um, <laughs> and I will not be invited back for another six months. No, but um, how are you guys? It, it has been a while since we've chatted like verbally and not over tech. So let, let's get a little bit reacquainted. What's been going on? Um, apparently there's a global pandemic going on. And oh, how's man. life with you guys? Well, apparently there's not a global pandemic going on anymore in Serbia because we are free to do whatever the fuck we want. Um, even our borders are open, which is kind of stupid because nobody else's borders are open. So we can go to like, Iran, I think. Are um, you guys part of I the bubble? But like the, the bubble? European bubble? I'm sorry. Wait, the Union? No, 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 no. There's like a bubble that's like allowing people to like go and visit each country because. Like, Is it really called a bubble? Because I really I'm, enjoy that. Did I dream that? No. Now I'm googling. I don't know, but I really like that. I'm pretty sure it's called the bubble. I don't know. I have All bubbles. I know Should I start blowing there's bubbles? There's not been. There's not been that many cases in the Western Balkans, really. So, and you... also our leaders are kind of stupid, and they just are like, "Ah, oh, whatever, go, go." We would like you to wear your masks if at all possible, but you know, we understand you need to smoke and drink. Well, That's we passed actually... two hundred thousand cases, and they somehow loosened restrictions yesterday because it's Memorial Day and people need barbecues. You know what? So Toronto's, that's a thing that happened. 
Toronto similar. We finally have our like night first wave of really nice weather. And I went for a run yesterday wearing my mask. And and I know you're not supposed to run with masks. Whole other story. But like the amount of people who were in social distancing, who were just having barbecues at the beach, and like it's it's wild. It's like the pandemic went away for the sunshine. And yeah, for the record, I mean, it's called the travel bubble. The travel bubble. Oh, the travel bubble. What does it include? Oh, I already closed my browser. <laughs> um, I don't know, but now I'm trying to think like if I had a if I had like an an alt like a performer name or a drag name if I can make one with bubble. So stay tuned. I'll I'll figure that out later. Um, okay. At perfect. the end of the podcast, we want your drag queen name. Oh, it's a lot of pressure on me. Okay, great, cool. Um, <laughs> um, since we're talking about mental health, though, in a little bit, I will full disclosure, say that, um, I, they're not like, there's a confluence of things happening right now that are adding to my just generalized anxiety. And obviously one is a global pandemic. Um, seems reasonable. Right. Yeah. Um, I, my lease is up, so I have to move and I am just, um, I don't know who said the thing about like, death, divorce, and moving being the top three causes of anxiety, but I would like to um, tip my non-existent hat to that human being because um, it's awful and I hate it and I don't want to do it, and yet I have to. Um, And my, I think the way that my anxiety manifests is just a sense of complete overwhelminghood, overwhelmingness, and making words up. Um, that yes. Kirsten will fix later. Like I see her twitching because I'm just making shit. Over yes. Over, overwhelmy, overwhelmy being um, where like I have to make a huge life choice, obviously, in, you know, choosing where to live and making that happen. But because of that, any little choice, like do I want another cup of coffee feels just <laughs> unbearable. Like I... I want somebody else to make all my decisions for me. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Go have that other cup of coffee. Oh, I got, look, I got it. I got oh, it. Perfect. There you go. You made a choice. <laughs> that's basically that's... the only choice I can make is yes to coffee all the time. Um, Honestly, but... that's that's kind of a good lead in because that's something that I actually want to discuss a little bit later on. But um, sorry, I Jesse, like I didn't mean to Jesse, cut you off. No, like... I like it led us into it without any official announcement of what this pod was about. Oh, uh, sorry. Sonia no, didn't say no, no, it no, at the beginning. Great. Okay. I did. Or or since Sonia's here, sorry. You did? I did. I, I had you one job said, and I did it. This is an issue that I wanted to talk about, but I'm Sonia. Well, why did I become British <laughs> all of a sudden? I'm from Canada. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh. Um, oh I thought giggles. I mentioned it, but maybe not. We'll fix it all in post-production, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's fine. It'll be perfect. All right. Well, with that then, um, Jesse, unless you want to continue. Sorry, I, I really didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I'm glad you know. I, I, yeah, that was it. That's how I'm, that's what I got right now. Well, with that in mind, let's introduce this pod properly then. Uh, today we are talking about and solving every single problem that <laughs> encompasses mental health. So we are here to help you. Sorry, Kirsten just started swatting at the air. Um, I thought she was playing air guitar for a second. I, I actually like, thought oh. she was fishing. Like, 
as if she was trying to tell me something and then I got very distracted. Um, I'm sorry. Full disclosure, we are not mental health practitioners. We have no sort of degree or formal schooling in this. It's just sort of what's worked or what hasn't worked in our life. And um, yeah, so we are not and going to be held liable. And I see invisible things, so I really should not be <laughs> considered a mental health practitioner. You didn't see invisible things. You used an invisible fishing rod. <laughs> Sonia, it was an invisible guitar. Guitar, sorry, yes. Maybe yeah. a lute, kind of a mix of the two. Oh, oh. As one of my former yes, co-teachers said, here an, an ukulele. Ukulele, <laughs> that's so cute. I give up. You're not giving up it. because no, you're please, about no, to give you us... Can't. Yeah, you're about to give us some stats on mental health in order for us to set up this pod and kind of jump into what we want to talk about. Because as much as we laugh and joke around and just have fun with each other, it is a very serious topic. But I think it's a serious topic that if we don't joke and laugh and have fun with each other, it becomes really overwhelming and really hard to manage. So um, I think kind of as a disclosure at the beginning, whatever we say... However we say it, we don't mean to come off as in, as being insensitive or not understanding because we all know that you go through your journey and you do however you do what you do in your own sort of way. This is just how we deal with it. And sometimes we deal with it by crying. Sometimes we deal with it by laughing. Sometimes we deal with it by screaming. And it's kind of, you know, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. It's just your way. So just wanted to start it off with that. And again, and we, we are not li- practitioners. Yes, we are not. But we will be also reading some uh, information on how other Afertistas deal with mental health, um, especially during this pandemic later. But right now, because it is a serious um, subject, I did spend some time with the Google and... Um, so just some stats in the U.S. Um, sorry, really bad time to have a hiccup there. <laughs> in the U.S., nearly one in five ad- adults lives with a mental illness, which is 46.6 million or 18.9%. Um, and according to, I've got my stats from the National Institute of Mental Health and the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, according to the NIMH, there are two broad categories, any mental illness and serious mental illness. And we're probably going to be mostly focusing on the serious mental illness because it's, well, more serious and also often the one that we find that we deal with. And that's defined as a mental, behavioral, or emotional disorder resulting in serious functional impairment, which substantially interferes with or limits one or more major life activities. So in 2017, an estimated one, no, 11.2 million adults in the United States had SMI or 4.5% of all adults. So that's affecting a lot of people. When you think about it, it's also affecting 
the people that they live with or the people that they're friends with, people that they work with, everything like that. Um, And women are much more affected than men are. When it comes to the world overall, um, one in four people will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives. There are around 450 million people currently suffering from such conditions. Um, But according to the World Economic Forum, when you add in substance abuse, which that's kind of touchy if it's a mental disorder or not, we can talk about that. But when it's figured in, that's a billion people who are suffering from mental neurological or substance abuse. Um, Nearly two-thirds of people in the world with a known mental disorder never seek help from a health professional because stigma, discrimination, neglect, everything that we all know about affects um, the care and treatment of these disorders. Now, I was looking at some WHO data Uh, the World Health Organization, and it said that at the time, depressive disorders were the fourth leading case of the global disease burden, which is probably a phrase Jessie knows better than any of the rest of us since she just finished her last class of um, her public health degree. But anyway, they were the fourth leading cause expected to rank second by 2020, just behind heart disease. So we're in 2020 now, we're in this pandemic, pretty sure depressive disorders have made it up there to second uh, in global diseases. But currently, more than 40% of countries have no mental health policy and over 30% have no mental health program. Around 25% of countries have no mental health legislation. Um, And once again, most disorders classified within mental health, which are depression, anxiety, bipolar, and eating disorders are much more common in women than in men. And this pattern appears to hold true across most, and in some cases, depending on the disorder, all countries. Um, now, since we are going, which are we going to do first, Sonia? Are we going to talk about ourselves or are we going to talk about athletes? Well, as you were um, talking about all those, quite frankly, very overwhelming and shocking and not terrifying, but, you know, really resonating stats. Um I think we should talk about ourselves first and then move on to the athlete side of things only because I think when you hear stats, it's really easy to kind of separate yourself from them. And I know personally, I'm definitely falling into that category. Like I am a number in one of those things. And, you know, I live in Toronto. I live in Canada that has amazing healthcare. I have a very, very good support system. I live in a decent socioeconomic bracket. And when I needed a psychiatrist, it took 
over six months. And the fact that I had people supporting me, I had other alternative means like seeing doctors or seeing therapists or um, psychologists instead of psychiatrists. And the fact that I struggled when I really had everything pretty much at at my doorstep um, says a lot to people who don't have the same access or means or support or anything, you know, the things that I had in order to to help them. However, if, you know, let's say you were to have a heart attack, that means are right there. Like, obviously, there are some financial things depending on the country that you live in, but you can call an ambulance right away. Somebody on the street would be able to help you if they saw the symptoms. And the idea that a mental illness is not treated the same way or at the same sort of urgency as a physical illness is, I think, something that all of us have experienced. And when I say all of us, I mean the three of us and kind of the wider audience, whether if you've experienced it yourself or with a loved one or a coworker or a neighbor. And so we all know this is going on, but why isn't it being helped or being, you know, put with the same sort of um, importance as other diseases or other illnesses when the stats match up to other illnesses? Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. So like I know I we said, won't have the answers, but... Well, yeah, we can't create all the answers by ourselves, but I mean, that whole thing about by this year, the depressive disorders, it's going to be right behind heart disease, but they're still so uh, underreported, underdiagnosed, they're not seen, um, like I was saying earlier, it's still not like you can really call up your workspace and be like, yeah, I'm depressed. I'm going to need a week off of work because that just doesn't fly. Whereas you can say, I have the flu and they'll be like, stay the hell away. Mm -hmm. Or at least yeah, they will now. You can't I say don't. you have the emotional flu or the mental flu. No. Uh, I think... Um, something that is sort of tangential or, or that um, is <clears throat> worth mentioning, although we, we won't, you know, dive into it, is that we are seeing, um, so I taught preschool for 15 years, and we are seeing so much more um, important, um, I think, I'm losing the word right now, um, but uh, recognition, there we go, of um, depression and anxiety in um, manifested in young people and children and young adults, but that only happened when um, children and young adults sort of screened out for it, when, you know, we were seeing more and more um, attempted and completed suicides in younger and younger uh, people. And I, I think that there's this, um, I, I think that we need to get ahead of, um, get ahead of this, that it shouldn't take people screaming for help, um, before we start implementing, um, interventions and we shouldn't make people create those interventions themselves because there's a lack of, um, 
as Sonia said, public access. Um, so often, you know, we applaud, like I'm, I'm thinking of this um, website that I've sent to so many people with the message, like, wow, this is so lovely. This, this um, British dad um, created a, um, a group for men with severe depression um, to um, go on walks with either their dogs or he would sort of like provide a dog um, where they could just Sorry. walk. I know it's not so, but like he found that when he had bouts of really severe depression, the only thing that really helped was to get out and, and walk and in the company of his dog, it really helped. So he wanted to provide that for men because as, as we've mentioned before, you know, there are issues with stigma, there are issues of all these things. And so, so for him, this really helped. And I thought this was wonderful, but now I'm thinking like, why did, why is that up to him? You know, why, Yeah. right? Like, why is it up to us to, to wait the six months to seek it out ourselves? Like when we have like, you know, I don't, I shouldn't have to, I, I don't have to, um, search for a neurologist, <laughs> who is good at knowing what a migraine is, but this, but I do have to look for um, practitioners or support groups and more often just turn to you guys because those things are unavailable for just emotional support. And I, and that's such a global failing. Yeah. And I I think one thing that you said, Jesse, that really hits the nail on the head, um, and I'm paraphrasing you a bit, uh, paraphrasing you a bit. That's fine. Kirsten will cite you in footnotes later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is that a lot of our methods seem to be reactionary rather than proactive. It's how do we deal with something after it happens rather than preventative or putting things into place. You mentioned working with preschool Um, and little kids. And I remember being in grade two and I remember this unit so clearly and I don't know why. I think it's because we got stuffed animals to like help us with it. But um, we learned different emotions, but we just learned what the emotions were. We didn't learn how to deal with them or to cope with them or not the consequences of them, but like how they could set off a chain reaction. So like we learned what it meant to be sad, but we didn't learn how to transition to a different emotion whether it's anger to sadness to happiness or happiness to sometimes you will be sad and everything was so siloed and it was you are this emotion and that's it and there was no transition sort of thing and that's really stuck with me because it's kind of a horrible lesson (laughs) yeah yeah i would like to speak to your grade two teacher because that's not good I mean, I also went to Catholic school, so there's like a whole bunch of uh, other issues going on there. Uh, but yeah, but I don't yeah. know if you guys know this, but I am a small Jewish girl who always wanted to be a nun. Um, <laughs> I did so, not know that. Yes, I turned a black pillowcase into a wimple. That this is probably a story for an, another, possibly mental health podcast. Oh my god! Oh, I will send you. Uh, maybe I will post this on our Instagram. She's on the move. Um, I have none bowling and none chucks. And this is my little um, wind up. This was unexpected. And yeah, this is taking a turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, here are my little. Um, Whoever had Jesse wants to become a nun on their bingo card. Yeah. On the bingo board? 
You guys, mm-hmm. when you are a small Jewish girl and you watch The Sound of Music and read Circle of Friends like 97 times as a child, all you want is like best friends who, you know, wear the same outfits and sing together in the hills of Austria slash Ireland. And like, it just seems like the best situation. You don't learn about them oh, being I, I, shitty I grade two teachers. I wasn't teachers. that much of a Catholic school. I was not taught by nuns. My mom was, but uh, I was not. But um, yeah, nuns aren't really, I mean, uh, yeah. hashtag not, not all nuns, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Can that be the no, it's, that's not, not a good title for this one, but we need to do um, another pod but, where the title is hashtag not all nuns. Like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know if the like sisterhood of nuns in Sound of Music is really what the Catholic Church had in mind. But I feel like it should be. Because they were so, like, you know, Sonia, I don't know if you know this, but when God closes a door, he opens a window, Um, Maria. You know what? Um, uh, Pope Francis is on Twitter. Send a tweet. Hashtag not all nuns. And we'll see where it goes. I did once ask him for a puppy when he first became Pope. And I mean, I did get a puppy. So don't really. You instead, instead of at Pontifex, you should follow at um, Sister Sister Helen Prejean, 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 who is this incredible nun who drives the nun bus, not kidding, and fights oh, for really um, cool. prison abolition. Um, I've actually in met full her. nun gear. Really? And we're see, we're going down <gasps> way too far. Anyway, it was worth it working with anti death penalty stuff. So yeah, that that may be <gasps> a Patreon. Episode oh later on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Please. 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 Can I interview about you about that, or Sonia will, and <laughs> I will just up your nun toy. Listen to it on the Patreon. That's not a euphemism. She has wind up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Although I would love to know how to use that as a euphemism. <laughs> okay. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. But really, why else do you listen to us if not for the amazing um, tan- the tangents? So speaking about nuns, let's move on to athletes. Wait, d- wait a second. We, we didn't even <laughs> share all of our stories there. We just got Jesse as a nun. I mean, I'm so going to take that as my start. No, okay. Sorry. Um, Kirsten, do you want to talk welcome. about your experience? And then well, I'll uh, talk about uh, something a little bit more um, recent than my grade two feelings class <laughs> and we'll leave jesse's nuns out of it um i did find a really good quotation <laughs> i think when i was doing my research which is sharing your own personal mental health story can make a difference breaking down the stigma can help others find the strength to get healthy and we talk a lot about how the stigma is fading away a little but it's not doing it very quickly so together here sharing our mental health stories that's part of the reason why we're doing it and we want you to know also if you ever want to come to us to talk about your personal mental health story we can do that through dm email we'll call you on skype or you know everybody has zoom now anything like that if you need somebody to talk to we're here because we've all dealt with it 
Um, not saying that Jesse's wanting to be a nun was um, a mental health issue. Uh, <laughs> no, but I um, am, I think, I don't know if I've shared this publicly, but I um, have struggled with panic attacks most of my life and bouts of depression. Um, and when I was um, a freshman in college, I actually had, um, I don't know what we call it, so I apologize if this is not the right term, but like a breakdown. Um, and for about, I don't know, a full year, really had a hard time going outside and uh, um, was pretty, I think, dysfunctional in the true sense of the word, like difficult to function um, and how to relearn how to function. Um, so, and, and, you know, on and off all the experiences with them, um, eating disorders and cutting, I'm happy, really, truly happy to share and don't want to say slide into my DMs because yes, I've apparently done that wrong in the past, but. Um, <laughs> but I think that is also important to kind of talk about too. I mean, we say mental health, but there's so many physical, um, not repercussions, but physical things that go along with mental health. I mean, having a bad day, your body can actually hurt. It may actually be painful or physically impossible to get out of bed. I mean, things like eating disorders also take a physical toll on you. And like that one, I think people kind of understand more, but so does depression. So does mania. I mean, we talk about depression a lot, but mania, um, and this is something that I struggle with, is equally as detrimental to your physical health as well as your mental health too. So it kind of, I mean, we say mental health and by we, I mean the world, but it is health. It's health. I mean, for me, it's been kind of the opposite way around. It's been my physical health that's um, taken a definite toll on my mental health. Um, I, you know, I read books or I hear people's stories about dealing with anxiety all their lives and having panic attacks, you know, when even when they're young and things, but it didn't start happening to me until I got really, really sick with endometriosis. And I think it's the endo that caused so much of my depression. Um, and then it kind of it's like a spiral, you know, like you're depressed. And then if you're a freelancer, like I am, then you don't seek work and then you don't have a steady job. And then you're freaked out about money and then you kind of spiral more. And then for me, that also makes me hurt more. So I'm depressed because I'm hurting. I'm anxious because I'm hurting. And then, then I'm hurting more. And I just, don't know why, which is doing the affecting sometimes, but I do know it's nearly impossible to get out of bed during those times. Um, have we talked about spoons at all on the podcast? 
like, or soup space. Like, you, like oatmeal I'm spoons? Sorry. I'm sorry. We have to stop for a moment. You have a specific. I don't know why. Oatmeal <laughs> You're right. I know. I don't. I don't. I truly don't. I don't. I was trying. Sonia did the right thing and went Oatmeal to soup. Oatmeal is just thick soup. It's fine. I don't. Um, I have no clue. And I need somebody to quickly just take it and run with it so that I don't have to justify it because I have no answer. spoons help you with your mental health? I'm sorry, I gotta recover. I think that might need to be the title of the podcast. Um, so, um, I read this in Jenny Lawson's book, which everyone should read um, about mental illness, but it's actually from oh somebody named Christina something. I can't remember her last name. I think it starts with an F, but <clears throat> or maybe it's Claudia. Don't trust me. Just go read Jenny Lawson, <laughs> Furiously Happy. She'll tell you the right person. But the idea is you start every day with, you know, a certain amount of spoons. And people who are healthy, whether physically or emotionally, they have almost infinite spoons. You know, they can get out of bed, they can shower, they can go to work, they can pick up their children, they can go to the gym, you know all of those things and go back home and, you know, maybe watch a television show and they're fine. But people who ha- have struggles with either, with any kind of health, we're just going to call it health. They only have a certain amount of spoons and like getting out of bed can cost a spoon or just going across the street to get the mail can cost a spoon. And then you go to bed, but maybe you can't sleep or maybe you've just reached negative spoons. And then in the morning you wake up and you have even less spoons to deal with until eventually you get to that point where you pretty much break or you find a way to escape for a little while. So you can kind of, I guess, wash all your oatmeal spoons up and Make sure they're clean and ready for you to get down to the business of life. So, there's a um, I, I I'm I don't know if this is the Claudia F person that you were reading for, but there's a um, I'm I'm sorry I keep bringing it back to early childhood, but that's my comfort zone. Um, there's an educator named Rick Lavoy, and not he Claudia has a, a video about not Claudia F. Okay. He has a a video and a website um, where he talks about poker chips um, and children with um, learning disabilities or, um, and he, in in learning disabilities, he includes like processing problems and things like uh, bipolar disorder and mental health and um, anything that, that, gets in your way in a classroom situation because he is talking about classrooms that teachers cannot, that teachers are not prepared or trained to accommodate and that most children have endless supplies of poker chips. But for children um, for whom their teachers are not ready, right? They're only, they only have this like limited amount of poker chips and they spend them on just surviving 
So in the morning, just getting ready for school and dealing with the anxiety of that, that's two poker chips. So by the time they get to school, they're like clutching the remaining poker chips so hard. But if their teacher asks them to do something Mm -hmm. that they're just not ready to do, their choices are either not doing it because they need that remaining poker chip or just spending it all and spending the rest of their day without any more poker chips. Well, everybody else is going through the day with like pockets full of poker chips because, you know, that's what they, that's what they're born with. That's what they got. And the way he talks about it, and he, he's doing this particular um, talk for parents and educators to just make them understand what it's like to go through your day, like clutching so hard to your like meager supply as That's a child surviving. the same concept, though. Obviously, this was applied to adults, but yeah. And oatmeal spoons, yes. So, so, so if you hear me I, talking about spoons or a lack of spoons, that's what I'm referring to. That's really interesting because I've I've never heard of either of these, um, either the poker or spoon concepts before. But something that has really helped me in the last, say, month or two um, has been kind of the opposite of that. And it instead of something being taken away from you, it's you giving something to yourself. And so I, I, as a disclaimer, I'm just saying this has helped me. I'm not saying it will help other people. I'm not saying, you know, you should do this or whatnot. And I have different sort of modified versions if you do want to try it. But I've picked something that I want to do X amount of times per week. And every time I do it, I put a check mark. So instead of taking away a spoon, I'm giving myself a check mark. And for me, and again, this is just for me, I want to run 4k a day four times a day so that's what i do now however it started out with four just times going outside. a week right four times a week four times a week sorry thank you four times a week um <laughs> otherwise but we'd it's... have to talk about exercise addiction okay. exactly which is which is why I, i'm saying it does not work for everyone but it didn't start that way that is just where i am now two months into it it started with maybe one or two k and before that it was putting on running socks putting on running shoes and giving yourself that agency to be able to put that check mark to be able to say I've done this and then you can look back at the end of the week and and maybe this one's a little bit obsessive but this it works for me I'm not saying it works for everyone is I have a notebook by my bed that I put check marks on all the things that I've done that day that I've already laid out so it's not a to-do list it's at the end of the week, I want to do this this many times. And sometimes I have more check marks than I have boxes. Sometimes I have more boxes than I have check marks. But what it does, it gives you agency back and saying, I've done this little task. And this little task could be little, but what it does is it eventually grows. And I found that really, really helpful for me because I can see my progress. And my progress, again, doesn't have to be, I'm going to run a marathon at the end of the year. My progress is, I've said I'm going to do something and I'm going to stick to it. And if I don't stick to it, it's okay, but I can see where I haven't stuck to it. And maybe I can make adjustments because my goal has been too high. So yes, I think the spoons are very interesting and same with the poker chips. And I totally get that, but I just wanted to flip it on your head, on the head and make it be like, give something back to you as well. Yes, Kirsten. There, I'm I'm holding up my hand. One of the lovely Efertistas <laughs> gave me a hint. That's kind of a smaller, slimmed down version of that. Okay. Um, which is that um, 
you don't even bother with the check marks or writing a list like at the beginning of the week. You just, at as you go through the day, you just write down everything you've done. Like I put on socks, I made coffee, you know, everything. So you can look at it and say, I did do things today and I might've lost spoons doing them if you want to combine the two. But um, basically that that makes you see that you are not failing at life, that you really are doing things and you should be proud of yourself even if you're not running 4K four times a day. And Um, I mean, maybe don't run four times a day. And the thing is, is that (laughs) there is no way I started there. Like that, that is, and the other thing that I'm doing too, which again, personal for me is I have a goal. So by the end of May, I want to have done a hundred kilometers worth of activities, whether that's running, biking, walking, and I've been tracking that. And when I hit that mark, I get to buy myself a water bottle. A fancy water bottle that is not from the dollar store because that's the only water bottles I've ever had. <laughs> I now want to figure out how many 4Ks is. In oh, it's like 2.5. Our sorry. stupid American version of miles, but you know. It's like, yeah. It's <laughs> no, don't be say, sorry. We're the stupid ones. You could do that during our ad break and we could come back and know. We have two minutes. Oh, we have two minutes? I, okay, I could, but I would need to figure um, out. But yeah, like, so even like anchoring okay. something like a reward, whether it be something <laughs> physical or maybe like, you know, you can do something that you've always sort of sat on the fence or wanted to do. But it's the idea of, of rewarding yourself and not always being so down on yourself. And if you miss a day, it's okay because you have infinite other days that you can do it and that you're working towards a goal. So the goal isn't like hitting a goal weight or hitting like a... BMI weight. And this is obviously just because I'm talking about exercise, like it, it goes beyond this, but it's something frivolous. Sometimes frivolous is okay. It sometimes frivolous does help your mental health. Also, I'm taking recommendations for water bottles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I, do I, like just, that. <laughs> I think too, helping yourself out and rewarding yourself. And again, none of this is ideas i've been reading um uh, a book that i want to recommend is now escaping the title of me i'll check that over the break but um it's it's really helped me to kind of reposition of how to do things i'm not googling the book as we speak (laughs) i was just waiting for you to say and now we'll stop here or something like that Well, why don't we take an ad break while Sonia looks up the name of her book? Maybe the ad will be for the book. um, That would be a fun surprise. Power of Habit would like to sponsor this podcast. That is the name of the book. (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll see you guys back after the break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back. Over that ad break, all three of us quickly read The Power of Habit, and now we are all perfect human beings. So pretty sure we, we can are right there. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> Different I'm a nun now. Catholic joke. <laughs> that was really good. Wow, that was fast. <laughs> If my mic wasn't on, that was yeah. Stand, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Just walk away. <laughs> um, but I guess leading into that, guys, I'm, I haven't always been this perfect. I know that might come. I know it might come as a shock to you. My shit has not what always been this together. I have not always made it to meetings on time and responded to text messages in a timely, grammatically correct. Um. Um, or she's fallen asleep in the middle of conversations. That is true. <laughs> that is actually has happened more often than not. And I haven't had any caffeine today. So we'll okay. see how this goes. Um, oh, God. Having caffeine. That's literally day. the only thing I'm perfect at. <laughs> um, you get a check mark. Yes. Yes. Actually, not joking one of my goals for running more k's in a month is going to be uh buying a fancy coffee maker oh my coffee maker is not fancy but it's a the brand is hamilton beach so its name is lin-manuel midler because hamilton lin-manuel miranda beaches bet midler so that's its name so that's yeah yeah another thing like really my only skills are like useless, but one of my really amazing useless skills is we um, just naming inanimate objects. So if anybody needs help with that, just name the TV. We could have used you. What did you name it? <gasps> Wallace. What? What is it? Na- what is it called? Okay. See, I like that, but like I name things like a with toaster named honey intention. Yeah, exactly. Or like, okay, so my, um, what can I, what can I give? Oh, like my Mac, my, my computer that I'm on now, it's a MacBook. So its name is Cory MacBooker. Cory Booker. That's a, that's okay. So many of my things are accidentally political. Like my blender (laughs) is Elizabeth Warren because any speed that she works on (laughs) can be deadly. I just name things after footballers yeah. or TV yeah. characters. Yeah, my little... I was going to ask, is that a Veronica Mars reference? It is, yes. You the underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I appreciate that. Yeah, my my little composter, his name is Fruit Gingrich because he's rotten on the How inside and he stinks. you have named in your house? Like, the, yeah, see, like everything. that's where, that's my direction. Wow. Oh, everything. Everything is a name. Everything is a name. And it's either, it's mostly, I think everything is actually political, theater, or football related. With pictures. Maybe I'll do a thread later. We'll make it only available to Patreons. (laughs) Yes. Maybe my Patreon, because I still haven't contributed anything because I don't know what my my 
contribution would be would just be to name people's shit. That'll be the three dollar level. <laughs> They'll just send you like a, a lot of pictures of their stuff, yeah. and you'll send back names. Oh, and I'll okay. Send so you I'm like yeah. I'm literally looking we? around my room trying to get Jesse to name things, but uh, maybe we should. Oh. Uh. Anytime. This I take um, great but, uh, pleasure. Yeah, back in to uh, mental health slash health. So, I mean, I'll quickly tell my story in a kind of abridged version, just to just for time's sake. But I had a pretty rough year last year. I mean, I had again physical mental health things happen. I had um, some ovarian cysts explode, which not exactly fun times, and they thought it was my appendix. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, um, for those of you who don't know, I've been outside of unusual efforts, running my own business with my partner and apparently running your own business on your own dime is very, very stressful and time consuming. And, you know, there's been a lot and I had a bit of a mental break and, you know, ended up in hospital to see if it was something physical or mental, because if it was physical, that means it's real. Right. So, yeah. Um, so there has been I had a bit of a rough year, not not my worst year, but you know there there had been some things that weren't exactly great, and it really took me to kind of maybe the last month of this pandemic to kind of not get my shit together because in no way is my shit together by any means, but to sort of start holding myself accountable and the reason why I'm telling the story is that I think a lot of the times we think about there is a milestone or a um, specific event and you kind of draw this line in the sand and it's how can I improve on this? And I think that that's for some people, if it works, that's great. But I think the reality is, is that there's not a before and an after it's kind of this continuous continuum Um because you can't just sort of flip a switch of I'm going to be a better person. I mean, we talk about how like a life event may happen to somebody and all of a sudden they're, they're going to turn their life around. They're going to stop smoking. They're going to do this, that, and this. And looking back retrospectively, it, it looks really nice and linear and cause and effect. But I think it's important to know that you're going to have setbacks and things may not happen exactly. At, like something positive may not happen immediately after something negative happens. And for me, it's been a very long process of A, figuring out what I want, what I want to be better, because I mean, pills make me better, but what can I do to help with that? And by no means am I saying that exercise will make me mentally well and will make me, you know, get off my medication. I am not saying that at all. It's just what little things can I add to my routine that make me smile? And it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's one important thing. I think that we, you know, and and I'm guilty of this too. We see these like hashtag transformation Tuesdays on, on Instagram or whatnot, where like X has happened to me, which has caused me to do Y. And those things seem so back to back. And I don't think that really happens in reality. I think X happens and then a seven smiley face star nine why <laughs> happens and that's the reality of it so well things like books obviously the power of habit with me and the spoon book that kirsten talked about earlier which is probably not called the spoon book the oatmeal spoon it's book yes yeah. i mean 
those (laughs) guides and helpers and tutors but i don't think you can i don't think it's it's reasonable and it's going to help you to think that there's one quick fix there are little things that you pull from and you add together and you make sort of like this frankenstein's monster of of how you're going to help yourself but there's no one solution that works for everybody there's definitely not yeah which is i think both terrifying and freeing in a way um so Jesse, what are some things that work for you? Um, I think for me, I I'm constantly looking and and recalibrating. Um, definitely um, not that I am recommending that everybody go out and get a dog immediately um, because it is a big life commitment. Um, but as I look at my little dog sprawled across the bottom of my bed. Um, for a number of reasons, he's helped me tremendously. Um, he forces me to get outside and walk and move, um, which in itself is a huge help. Um, but the, so the constant reminder that there is this thing (laughs) that don't tell him I called him that, that, you know, loves me, but also relies on me to, you know, be as okay as I need to be to take care of him. Um, um, and also if anybody wants to talk about fostering a dog, please, 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 please let me know. Um, I am a huge proponent of reading in the bathtub. Um, I never want to live anywhere without a bathtub. I have a really shitty, tiny, crummy bathtub, but I will soak in it all the time. My grandmother um, would set like any time for anything. And I, Sonia, I also, um, we talked about this on the chronic health pods, but I have ovarian cysts that rupture and um, the understatement of the year is that they suck. Yeah, they, yeah. If you could just see all of our eyeballs sort of, widen at the just same time just imagine something exploding um, inside of you so like yeah yeah no the word rupture yeah um i i explained it at, like and again the first time it happened to me i was 19 and on a um international flight somewhere ah. over the amazon so yep um yep uh it's like somebody took a bread knife like one of those long serrated bread knives ran it through um a flame and then just sort of started mm-hmm. hacking away at like your pelvic bone yeah the for me I the er doctor my thought my appendix burst right? and for some reason that pain seems like more universally yeah. understood and be like yeah that does hurt whereas like if you talk about yeah well because yeah. all genders have appendixes <laughs> all genders have those we as well have assholes too. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you though that I so I was also I was 19 um and since I don't know if this is an overshare but I don't care anymore I was still a virgin I went to you know you you I don't know if this is for everyone not the virgin part but I you oh. have to get a, an internal ultrasound 
which is like when somebody takes a vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. attachment and shoves it up Definitely your vagina and wiggles it around. Yep. Thank you. My legs are crossed over you yeah. right now. And my legs are yep. Yeah. And you're still in pain because there's still like liquid from this cyst floating around inside of you. And I was also scared in 19 and the, um, the ultrasound technician said something really helpful and I will repeat it now for everyone. She said, you know, this would be easier if you just relaxed. And I am still mad. Just calm down, Jesse. It's fine. (laughs) Because whenever anybody takes a vacuum cleaner attachment shoves it up you and wiggles it no, around. You're not relaxing. No, no. <laughs> so then I felt guilty that I couldn't relax. Like I had somehow yes. made her job more difficult. So that sucked. Yeah. Uh-huh. But so Sonia, to your point, later when um, the gynecologist came in and she was lovely and she confirmed that it was a cyst that ruptured and she went, you know, I've had two babies, but I also had a cyst that ruptured and that hurt more than labor. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I love you. <laughs> because we need it. I think we need a validation that what we are feeling is like, even yeah. though we know, right, like we felt our feels. But it's only when somebody else justifies that our pain is real that we are allowed because I went back to to work after this happened and like it was fine and like I told people why I was away because I was away for like two or three days and whatnot and I think nearly everyone I talked to was just like oh that's happened to me before it's the worst and it's just like why isn't more people talking about this why like like we've all felt it but it's like like not even our dirty little secret it's almost like it's, it's not worth talking about it because only 50% of the population will experience it. Well, and to Kirsten's point, like, I now know, like, I know what it is now when it happens. Yep. And there's not much you could do. Like, you take an anti-inflammatory, but you don't, you can't do anything. So I think because you can't do anything, in my mind, maybe in many other people's mind, like, you don't, like, the last time it happened, I went to class. And I'm sitting in class, like, in absolute agony, but not, it didn't occur to me that I shouldn't go to class. <laughs> I don't because yeah, it's a thing that happens. And if you, if, if the only thing you do is take Advil, it's not, you can't call out for yeah, it. I don't think I felt any justification yeah. for my um, pain until I read that the pain of endometriosis could be as bad as when you're having a heart attack. And then it was like, oh, I think I can skip class now. So why do we, I think, you know, we, we, this idea that we need a compare, like a, a, (laughs) we need a control group. (laughs) Why can't we be our own control group? Like, honestly, Um, not to pull gender into this, but I think you kind of do have to pull gender into this, but it's not something that is experienced by the same people who run healthcare systems, who run healthcare policies. I mean, traditionally speaking, obviously there are more women in these positions now, but traditionally speaking, I mean, the fact that, you know, even talking about getting your period, God forbid on 
you know, this is this is such a overdone argument, but the fact that like, you know, in, in period commercials where they poured the blue liquid on and there was like butterflies and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, like, the blue liquid. I love the women like mm-hmm. playing tennis because they're wearing tampons. I mean, tampons. to be fair, like, no, I would wear tampons if it took oh, me no. to play tennis. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not playing I'm not playing tennis. Yeah. And I am and, curled up around a hot yeah, water. Yeah, and I, I think this is sort of the society where we grew up in that and again, Western, you know, English speaking society, that we've been taught to not necessarily shame our womenly problems, but to hide them. And if we can mask them and if we can hide them and if we can continue playing tennis despite feeling like absolute shit, then we're doing it right. And if we're not doing it right, we're doing it wrong. I think you just gave us a perfect transition, but yes, can I, I also a recommend a book? Here, you guys recommend a book. On my list just says spoons. <laughs> spoons. Um, so Carolyn Priado Perez wrote a book called Invisible Women about, and I'm going to make it sound yes. dry, but it is incredible. It's about data analytics, but it, it, you have to help me make it sound like everybody should read it because they should. Yes. Um, um, I've had that recommended to me. It's phenomenal. And the cover has like just and like. necessary um, and wonderful. Like bathroom yeah, signs. Like women symbols. You know what I mean? It's exactly what you described that because of the historical inequities in who has been in, in positions of power and in positions of research, right? Like men have for centuries been the ones studying and treating heart attacks and um, creating crash test dummies and, you know, flak jackets. All of those things are designed on men's bodies. And so women disproportionately um, die from them. So flak jackets are designed for men's bodies and don't take breasts Neither do into unisex account. t-shirts, by and the way. And so women in the military... Yes, so much for the unisex. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we don't die from unisex t-shirts, but we do suffer from them. Yeah, 100%. And heart attack... Like, women's symptoms of a heart attack are still considered um, un- hidden or unusual. They're not hidden or, or unusual. Mm-hmm. They're just not the ones that were studied I for think- centuries. Yeah, it's so good. Also, toilet. Oh, just Toilets, as a side note, we just bought a bidet. Stones. So no, for real, we bought a bidet, like a bidet oh. attachment to the toilet, not like a. Um, yeah, no, it's good. A, but it it is it is a bidet. It costs a little bit more because it's like bidet. their premium thing that does both front and back. So it's a. Um... You have to tell us about it. Maybe they can sponsor us because I Agreed. am Uruguayan to enough to I, I, I lived in Italy long enough just okay. to say, yes, everybody should have a bidet. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, sorry. So yeah. one of the stats, though, that... Bidets? No, it's... Oh, is it about, is it about periods? It's about periods I love talking about... You it know was, I love talking about periods. It's about the fact that, you know, I read those stats and I said that women are disproportionately burdened by mental health problems. And I'm wondering if part of the reason is we are burdened by health problems that doctors don't recognize. And then of course that shoots up our anxiety or our depression or anything like that, because my God, when you're, 
trying to figure out what's wrong with you mentally, of course, I mean, physically, then of course you're going to have issues with your mind because it's like, I feel this in my body. Why, why can't you tell me what it is? Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, why, why do you actually tell me that maybe I'm making up my pain? Yeah, I think to just um, kind of to, if you guys don't mind to wrap up this topic and then kind of move on to the sports side of things. Um, an interesting thing is I know there's going to be people who may respond to this and be like, women's issues do get addressed. What about things like breast cancer? First of all, men can also get breast cancer. Let me just say that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I had a <gasps> friend who died from but breast cancer. But also, breast cancer yes, has been that. commodified and sold to women in a way that, and, and I'm not judging that, I'm just saying it as a fact, in a way that I don't think other diseases have. I mean, you can buy literally pink anything in support of breast cancer, which is great. I'm all for research funding and whatnot. That is not my complaint. My complaint is that breast cancer has the um, sort of the... the PR and publicity. Yeah. Because the female back is easily sellable. Endo, probably not that easy sendable. Even postpartum depression. Right. You can buy bracelets that say, um, love your Tata or what is it? Save the Tatas or whatever. No one, yeah. No one's making um, bracelets and shirts that say, right. Uh, Right. Although we can Um, and I support that. Yeah. So I think. Uh, I, I just wanted to say the breast cancer piece because obviously it affects millions and millions of women. It also affects millions and millions of men, whether medically or because their partner, mother, coworker, friend, daughter also gets um, also may have breast cancer. But if we could get every disease the same PR, and I heard about this about COVID, if um, if if. Um, climate change could have the same PR person as COVID if other women's, and I'm doing very big air quotes, women's diseases could have the same PR as breast cancer. I mean, I think that would completely change the whole medical landscape. Speaking about medical landscape, how are athletes uh, dealing with mental health? Related to the mental that was yeah, not it was, a, it was a bad segue yeah, yeah. i had i had one earlier yeah. with the tennis but um it it wasn't appropriate to do a non-sequitur at that point <laughs> so athletes um yes so athletes oh, i haven't read those stats on the athletes yet right and now we're throwing to kirsten for stats yeah. No. Except Kirsten can't find her cursor again. Can you make cursors like bright green? Because that would yes, be so there's helpful. A, there's a Google Chrome extension for that. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, to I'm customize your cursor. It wasn't really? specifically for um, bright green, but you can customize your cursor. I just Good, because I want mine to be, to be like purple. It. Okay, anyway. So I got some information from a site called athletes for hope and it asks the question 
when athletes get hurt, they receive time to heal. But what about when those injuries are invisible? So, okay. I want to not be distracted by the background of Sonia's. Uh, <laughs> so. Sorry, he went off to go I'll say, play football. <laughs> so it is kind of related. Well, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Because me, me too. Yeah. Mask We're up. mask neck. Um, exercise <laughs> gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy. And I really hope some people realize that's a clueless qu- quote because <laughs> you didn't even have to put that in the bracket. I immediately started filling in. Yeah. It's such a youngin. I know. I like immediately started filling in. Um, other quotes that have nothing to do with this, so I won't say them now because I've already given us too many tangents. So if endorphins make you happy, (laughs) but the thing is that athletes, like we all know, they often struggle with other issues like pressure to perform all the time, to be on all the time, um, to not let their injuries show. Also for professionals, for being in the public spotlight and trying to deal with that sort of thing. So it's not as simple as Cher Horowitz um, saying, we just have to exercise because endorphins make you happy. Um, Can I jump in here before you jump to your next stat? (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, and and it is sports related. I'm not going off too much. But have you, either of you, watched uh, The Lost Dance? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, no, I haven't finished. So it. I haven't watched Nick and I've been it, watching yes. it, or we've just finished it uh, a couple days ago, and I think that is just such an interesting like case study for mental health and just sort of like how we view athletes and kind of the pedestal we put it on because the entire time that we're watching, and full disclosure, like I am a basketball fan, I'm a massive Raptors fan. Um, I was probably a bit too young to understand kind of the Jordan, the first Jordan era, but Toronto Raptors came out in 95. So the second era, I kind of get a little bit more, but we're watching this and I kept turning to Nick and I kept saying, he might be bipolar. He's definitely a narcissist. Like as long as you are willing to win, that is where we kind of put people on this pedestal. Like, do whatever it is that you can win as a as an athlete. Who cares if, and sorry, Jesse, if this is a spoiler alert, who cares if you punch one of your own teammates in the eye to get your point across? Who cares how you treat people? Who cares how you spin a story, you know, 20 years later on this Netflix documentary and like leave out huge parts of the real story to make yourself look better. If you're the winner at the end, that's all we care about. And I think this goes on to like mental health and whatnot, especially in North America. Um, hockey is one of the things that jumps to mind or, or football. Like you have a concussion, get back out there, go be a man about it, go play. And those are physical injuries that you can get a CAT scan or a CT scan or pet scan or whatever you scan for a, for a concussion. Again, we are not medical practitioners. I think also to your point, when we do talk about gender, there are a number of things nestled under there. And, you know, that this idea of that hopefully is 
starting to be um, challenged, but not enough of be a man or boys don't cry is hugely problematic. For me, I think because this is top of mind, because we just watched The Last Dance, like I could write an entire thesis about how problematic sports culture is and is continuing to be. Um, and, and I'm talking about the documentary set aside. It was really well shot. It was really well put together. Lots of people worked on it. Like I get all that. I'm, I'm not docking. I'm not knocking the documentary. What I'm saying is the overall themes are are perpetuated in our society from the standpoint that maybe it's just me, but I don't necessarily agree with. So sorry for going on that. Uh, um, little tangent, but endorphins make you happy. Endorphins make Michael Jordan like punch people in the eye. <laughs> and now I've totally lost my place. Thirty-three um, percent. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just skipping down. Actually, I read a scholarly article that says um, the prevalence of mental health symptoms and disorders in professional athletes and former professional athletes ranged from 19% for alcohol misuse to 34% for anxiety, depression for current athletes, and from 16% um, for distress, that seems very vague, to 26% for anxiety, depression for former elite athletes um which are huge statistics and from what i've seen the clubs aren't doing much about it i don't know if either of you has more information about that sort of thing no but reading these numbers and i'm comparing apples to oranges here i get that but it almost kind of reminds me of the military and how military um in various countries i'm not i'm not picking on one country like after you've done your performance your service there's not as many things in place to kind of help you post performance or service and like and not just military like i know there's a lot of things in like law enforcement and other things that like you're you're expected to do something a certain way and then once you're done doing that service it's just sort of like see ya you're on your own when while you were doing that service there probably is a lot of things that need help post that's a great analogy i think that um i don't know if it was athletes for no um so there was an article specific to um athletes under the pandemic athletes under this sort of coronavirus, but I'll use bubble since you gave me bubble before um, that um, found that female athlete, that though athletes um, are suffering, um, you know, under um, by, from not being able to train many, you know, most athletes rely on um, their, facilities. There was an article in the Times a couple weeks ago about um, uh, a Miami Heat player who mailed um, garage basketball, like individual basketball hoops to a number of NBA players because they didn't have hoops 
because they go to the gym, they go to their facilities, right, to train. And now they can't, their facilities are closed. And so they were suffering. They really, you know, they, their um, physical routine, but also their mental routine is to go shoot hoops. And so without that outlet, they were suffering. So he went online and he just mailed them, um, you know, the kind of outdoor driveway hoop that a lot of us grew up with that you have to like put together Ikea style. Um, so <laughs> many are suffering, but this um, article said, and we could tweet this out later, that female athletes are suffering disproportionately because they have a shorter career span and there's a financial concern too. And this said, quote, take, for example, some of the players that this doctor works with on the Barcelona team. The men said they'd give 50% of their salary back under coronavirus. And I thought, good for them. And then I found out that the women had to do the same. She said, well, 50% of 15000 to $30,000 is not the same as fifteen to $30 million. So while, you know, there's, there's this sort of, you, you can't even... I'm going to steal what you said, Sonia. This it's this apples to oranges consideration of finance, of post career um, prospects that men still have the majority of, and I, I, I will I, without calling anybody out. Um, you know, men still own the majority of the punditry, of the commentary, of the journalism. Um, so women still have to fight each other for post-career prospects. And so they're losing this crucial time um, financially and and career-wise. Um, on top of the emotional aspect of not being able to yeah. be with their and, teammates. I mean, and to go along with that too, male athletes, I mean, not even 10. I think this is just a fact. They also have endorsement deals. And like you mentioned, more post-career options, yep. but women also have a more finite window, especially if you are doing family planning or, you know, things that women tend to have to take a time off work in order to do where you don't get paid the same amount as if you are playing full force. And women also don't necessarily, this one isn't always a given, but like necessarily start as young and have the same career amounts because a lot of women stay in school in order to finish their degrees because they know that they can't just bank on sports being able to pay their way through everything. Or they're going to college while they're in pro or semi-professional leagues. It's amazing. I mean, sure, there's some teenagers who are doing their high school while they're in developmental uh, programs or whatever, but these women are, you know, like schooling it up college-wise because they know that they're going to need to fall back on it. I wish I could find this article. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I will lose it. Um, going, hearkening back to last week when we talked about chronic pain, I apologize to everybody. Yay. I'm excited that my migraine pill kicked in, but you shouldn't be excited because it means <laughs> I will lose whatever brain cells I had left. Um, 
so I will not be able to find this, but there was an article also, I think in the times about, um, players who, who have, um, health degrees and are going back to work in hospitals or on the front line, you know, as essential workers in the coronavirus. And, and one was a, um, I believe Canadian, um, uh, surgeon, I think like, hello, g- playing professional football and also wow going to med school like i can barely i was proud of yeah. having a part-time so, job in school not to make this about me but way to make I mean, me feel hashtag not all canadians, canadians. <laughs> uh, so if we were to pick like one player who we think exemplifies the mental health struggle and speaking out about it who do you all think that would be um i mean that's awful that it's a blank that that should say no actually i was there i was gonna say almost (laughs) the opposite i think there's been a lot of players especially lately both in soccer and kind of across the board who have um, talked about it uh, personally, and this is not a soccer reference, I apologize, but it is a Toronto sports reference. So, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I Rosen, uh, former Toronto Raptor, has been very sorry. vocal about his mental health and about knocking stigma and how he's dealt with depression and what he's done either like taking time off helping others and whatnot so i think there's almost this space where people are starting to speak out and it'd be interesting to know the stats about this because i wonder if people who are starting to speak out more tend to be minorities people of color women compared to and again i've done no background research on it i'm just throwing this out as this is an interesting thing to eventually look into. Uh, by no means is it a fact um, compared to your standard white cis male athlete. I know right now there's a huge talk in um, in Canadian hockey about bullying and whatnot and how very few white male hockey players have come forward to talk about the issue and everyone who has stepped forward has been either a person of color or minority in some way, um, whether it be ethnicity, gender, whatnot. Um, so I, I do think it's interesting that as soon as sort of like, you know, a white dude becomes champion of it, people start taking, like start listening, whereas these stories have been being brought up quite a bit but not in a way that tends to make people, myself included, stand up and listen. Yeah, that is interesting. I was thinking of Per Mertesacker. Obviously, uh, you know, he is an extreme enough case that he came forward sort of out of, I I don't want to say out of necessity because that makes it feel like he wouldn't otherwise, and I don't know. but, but I, but I do wonder if, um, but I, but I do, I, I don't, obviously we don't have this information, but I, but I wonder, um, if women and, and players of color feel an obligation to speak out where, you know, for better or for worse, whatever this means, um, <laughs> 
white cis male players mm-hmm. speak out when it affects them. And and that is not to place blame uh, on anybody other than society. No, I, um, I think that's a very important point to make. And, and uh, I hope that I didn't come across as saying like, white cis men do better. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> no, no, that wasn't to you. That was to me. That, yeah, that was that was because I yeah. Okay. Yes, but in, in different ways. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to tell Permerta Sacker to do better, but but yes, we can tell yeah. definitely white cis men to do better. I and want society. to look for um, on the Players Tribune something on mental health, and um, the first one and the only one that's popping up in my. Um, in the first like few connections to the Players Tribune is Ben Gordon, who is a black man. Actually, I'm. I mean, personally, I don't know if I'm. I'm doing this to appease myself, so please speak up. But I was wondering if you guys want to put a pin on this right now for this episode. And if we want to do a little bit more research, we can come back to it next week or next episode um, and kind of talk about it a little bit more. Because I think this is super, super interesting and I want to give it its justice and kind of like it's, yeah. it's time. Yeah. And then we could also, we had some really incredibly courageous and interesting um, and just personal and lovely um, shares by our mm-hmm. followers and effortistas, which I always appreciate. Um, Do you? W- but especially, yeah. Now. I was gonna so ask we could, if we could maybe share we want to well hold off to those on next for one. next week as well, or next. Yeah. Yeah, the the next one can be like personal, like exactly. you know, players the people, and and you know, our are listening to this and they want to stories? add more. It kind of gives them a little bit more time um, hearing our stories. If kind of spark something or you know if, if they want to share either personally or publicly you can still share with us and be like please do not say this on the podcast we will totally respect that believe me um or you can tell us you can say <laughs> we will speak about podcast. nuns instead don't use my name <laughs> yeah exactly that's totally um, okay too yeah for sure i thought maybe then we can close because what we've asked people so far is how they're coping keeping their mental health stable during the pandemic, I thought maybe the three of us could share our strategies. Um, Not that, like Sonia says, these will work for everyone, but just we put them out there because it should be us going first to say, to be in that space, if that makes sense. Sure. Do you want to close on that or do you want to open it? Yes. I am going to be, remember how Sonia, oh, (laughs) remember, remember how, how, how Sonia always did like a yes and, and whatever we asked her to do, she did like a, something slightly different. I'm going to do that. Please be the Sonia of this. I'm I'm going to be the Sonia of this podcast. I'm going to run and grab something because I'm completely unprepared, but I swear once I run and grab it, it'll be like, oh, this does make sense. So please talk amongst yourselves or talk about me. I'll be right back. Okay. About. Okay. About. I'm going to, okay. About. So um, I, again, I will, in the spirit of um, this podcast, actually, um, I will admit that I, I just, I'm not in a, in a great space right now. So I don't have, um, I don't have great coping mechanisms at the moment. 
Um, I was stress baking for a while, which I fully recommend. Um, but like at the uh, until you I can find live a with me, by the way, I must do very soon. Um, I'm yeah, stress baking me. for me, great. Okay, done. <laughs> really, <laughs> that's true. Um, I'm stress stress baking for my 91 and a half year old grandfather and parents who will eat what I bake. So I, I sort of didn't feel guilty enough. I didn't feel guilty about baking like two things a day. Um, and, and part of my, um, I guess anxiety is just added feelings of guilt about everything all the time. So stress baking, but because I don't have great coping mechanism mechanisms at the moment, I will offer if anybody wants um, to, I don't know how to do this, share your address. <laughs> this seems weird, but I will give you a why. Um, part of what I love to do, let's keep the po- hashtag save the USPS, hashtag fuck you Donald Trump. Um, I also just really like sending she does, for yes. real mail. Can we need pen pals? Yeah. So, yes. So I will just um, absorb as one of my coping mechanisms, um, sending everybody mail and silly postcards and silly letters. And that way, my if, if my coping mechanism can help you in any way, in on this. then Aww. that is my offer. Ta-da! Okay, good. Excellent. I and now I have your address, so we can do that. It's in our Asana. All... I knew that. Okay. It's in the Asana. I know. That's what I said. Yep. All our addresses. Yeah, you I know. totally. We knew that. that. Oh, we're on it. Uh-huh. We know. Yeah. What's Asana? <laughs> Joking. Yeah, we know. Oh, <laughs> Jesse, I'm kind of like you in that I do not have okay. good coping mechanisms. Um, I Xanax. I Valium when the pain gets too much because um, it stops the spasming. So I substitute the Valium for the Xanax. Don't worry, I'm not using both at the same time in a really potent cocktail. But I do cocktail. I do rakia. I don't actually cocktail because that's too much work. Um, I would say that my... I don't... I haven't been outside really until today. I was just... I'm too immunocompromised. I was just too afraid to go outside so I've been in an apartment for a month pretty much um so I don't have those healthy things of taking a walk or taking a run like so many people do and I applaud you all um I have to pace back and forth in my house sometimes I can't even do that because the pain has been so bad um Fortunately, I'm going back to physical therapy, so the pain will lessen, and um, I'm less scared to go outside now that I realize that in the open, I don't have to wear the suffocating mask because people are like six feet away from each other, so it's all okay. Um, I would say that my few decent coping coping mechanisms are things like cross stitch or painting my nails because I think uh, unpainted nails are just not fun 
Um, I've watched Crazy Rich Asians and Pitch Perfect like 20 times. Um, And then I'm trying to recapture my musical self and I'm listening to the latest Brian Fallon, Jason Isbell, Taking Back Sunday, and Jimmy World albums, as well as old Andrew McMahon music. So that's my coping. Excellent. Well, I kind of uh, talked about my coping, but I brought my notebook just to show you guys about like... Like, I don't know if you can see it. This is, I'm doing a visual on a podcast. I apologize should to everyone else. A, yeah. Yeah, I, I can take, take a picture <laughs> after. I'll take a picture after. That's but, fine. I showed oh, you none. Like, not all boxes have been checked. Definitely not. That's true. And okay. that's okay. So I can tell you the things that I do in my day that help me, won't help everyone, but this is all that I track and it's easy. Am I drinking enough water? It was a no before. Now I'm... I try three glasses. It's nowhere near the eight, but hey, it's three more than I used to drink. Uh, Do I meditate every day? No is the answer. Um, Do I do that? So for me, the three, like the three most important things in our household is health, wealth, and happiness. Not necessarily that we are wealthy, but that we are managing finances and whatnot. So do I check finances? Have I spent anything today? And then like my regular sort of like exercise that I've been doing. So it's all very like, it's not, I have to do this goal. It's, am I doing things that will make me feel better about my day? And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And I think just being able to track what I've been doing with my days has been helpful for me to know kind of where my time is going. And if my time is going that, we binged like six hours of The Last Dance, which I keep calling Save the Last Dance. So I may have said that earlier, by the way. I've said that about like six times to different people. Um, yeah. If I... That does make me want to tell everyone. There was a really good page. article about Central Netflix, Stage so really recently. I'll try... Did, did you see it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, can we put oh, it was that so good. in the links? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yep. Too, because uh, I need to read that and watch it on Netflix. Definitely. Anyway, yeah. go back... I don't know if it's um, on yeah, Canadian Netflix, so actually. Good. I'm going to check that. For the record, um, well, and this will lead into our next section, but Canada, Canadian Netflix is very different than American mm-hmm. Netflix, and we also do not have Hulu. Oh. Do you guys have any other Canadian questions? Oh, I, well, I um, don't have Hulu, so. Yes, oh, wait, we're, we're going to do a whole podcast on we that, Sonia. To kind of yeah. end on a lighthearted um, note. Or we can do it as oh, a mini sode. Yes. We can do Oh my god, we have so many. I wasn't prepared. Let's do Sonia as a mini sode. That's what we should do. Just questions about Canada. Please feel yeah. free Which to submit them as well. Leads into oh god, what yes. I'm supposed to talk to I'm really you about. Excited about that one. Which is mini sodes. Y'all, we put out Dunes as a free one, but we're gonna change our Patreon and the other ones are going behind the wall. And we have such I recorded two that were so great, so lovely. I got to talk to Gally, and she has this amazing, like, Nordic French accent, and she talks about Marseille with just such love that you must hear it. And then I talked to both Abby and Malin at the same time, and they talked a lot about 
football community and how it brought their friendship together. And I was just like little tears. Of, it was just so heartwarming to hear as, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, you're going to want to um, listen to these. So we're going to change our Patreon and get those up, but we're only making it like $2 for you to listen to these minisodes. If you're a regular listener, you can't afford to give us $2 per month. Let us know. We will make sure you get the minisodes. And if you can afford to give us $2 a month or more, um, I'm going to be real here for a minute because this whole podcast has been about being open and honest and one, what it's been about. And, um, <laughs> That's what it's been about. Uh, don't you know, bud? Uh, let's go out for a rip later. I'm um, sorry. But one of my favorite quotes, memes, I don't actually know where it originated from, um, is to always try to have the confidence of a mediocre white guy. And so one thing that I think um, a lot of women creators or non-mediocre white guy creators is, that we have um, trouble asking for is, is money. And I'll be frank about this because a lot of people don't want to discuss money. It might be a sensitive subject. Um, you know, it, it's at a time, especially during COVID, where finances might be a bit thin. So I, I do understand all of that in mind. But at the same time, a lot of the people who create, and I'm not talking about the three slash four of us when Megan's on the pod, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the wider community. There is so much talent and expertise and like honestly like I cannot even begin to describe to you how some of the articles or art and again it's a visual podcast but I have a Hannah Carroll right behind me on our wall um I have a van somewhere over there as well um how how absolute experts and professionals people who write for us and create art for us and talk to us are in their fields and if you are able to financially support us and in turn them we would be so appreciative i know in kind of this um freelance culture a lot of the times it's it's more quality or quantity than quality and people are are really downplaying their talents and and their brilliance to kind of get that job and we at unusual efforts have never wanted to downplay what people know what people are experts in and their time and their commitment to us and so i'm going to be really frank right now and ask if you like what we do if you like our writers or artists or contributors please help us support them. Uh, when you make a donation or if you give uh, to our Patreon, you are not helping the four of us, four of us being, again, Kirsten, Jesse, myself, and Megan. You are helping the incredible people who are helping us create. And we are so beyond grateful that we are able to tell these stories, but they're not necessarily our stories. And so I will die on this hill, stand on the soapbox to say we need money <laughs> to support these stories that are so incredible. And I am not ashamed or bashful or, you know, 
want to be mild-mannered about asking for this. We need money to, in order to keep this going. And if you are in a position to help, we will be forever grateful. So thank you. I will add to that and say that I never beg really for good. money and I'm not begging for money for myself this time. Um, we do need things paid for like our internet service, our domain name, our G Suite stuff, that kind of thing. Those are the kind of things also that people forget that like I'm paying all myself to keep us going. Um, so yes, our creators are incredible, but sometimes, you know, I have to choose between paying, putting up an article by one of them or paying to keep the website going. So just have a think about that when you're deciding if you would like to give us just like a dollar a month. It's fine. We'll take your dollar a month. We'll love your dollar a month. Jesse will name the dollar a month. I will! <laughs> and a dollar. Yeah, you, have to, you have to give me a minute, but I 100% will. No, but seriously, for everyone who have supported, thank you so much. We are very, very grateful. And yeah, um, I, I, I'm sorry for missing that. But like you do help literally keep the lights on and in, in, literally and metaphorically keep the lights on for unusual efforts. Yes. All right, Jesse, you're going to wrap us up, lead us to the end. Yeah, I know I was supposed to give you my drag name, but... Um... I got nothing. You guys are just overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly wonderful. Overwhelmingly wonderful so, is actually a great um, drag name. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> Over, overwhelmingly wonderful. It was that you said um, signing being whelmed or whatever. However, you messed up overwhelmed. Overwhelmification. I get. Okay. I get overwhelmification. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's me signing off with my, my um, co-friends. That's what we call co-stars don't in the friend know. world. Don't you know? Um, don't you know? Um, and, you know, speaking, speaking for all of us, uh, we love you. And, um, and that's really, that's, that is. that's a gift <laughs> and a habit. <laughs> Ba-bam. <laughs> Okay, bye.